everyone answered yes to those wonderful questions. Um, so pretty much everyone at this table at some point cares about what people think about them and that, I'm going to turn this over, and it rules their minds sometimes. So you're in good company and the crazy part is that's how all of humans are. Like throughout the Bible, it's, it's showed to us that humans fear people, that humans care what people think of them. Um, so Abraham was fearful of what the king was going to like do to him, like kill him because he had a beautiful wife. So he, so he lied and had his wife lie. Um, and put her in danger because he was fearful that the king was going to kill him. Um, and then we see that Moses was fearful to lead the people and confront Pharaoh. So God has to like comfort him and guide him. Um, and then we see that like Jeremiah is fearful to do God's will. So God had to kind of like guide him and tell him that I'm going to be with you. I'm going to put words in your mouth. And then this morning I was reading in Joshua. And God tells Joshua three times in a matter of ten verses to be strong and courageous, to not be fearful. He says it over and over and over again because probably like probably because Joshua is very fearful and afraid of people. Um, and then like in the New Testament, we see like in First and Second Timothy, Paul is encouraging Timothy over and over again to be courageous, to be strong, because Timothy struggled with fearing what people thought of him, fearing people. Um, so we look around and everybody struggles with this um, and Jesus knows this um, so that's what Jesus is going to be talking about today and we're kind of going to be doing something a little different with the Sermon on the Mount because um, I I was trying to figure out the best way to go about um, getting in like the Lord's Prayer because that's like a really important part of the Sermon on the Mount I wanted to take a whole week on that but I didn't think we needed to take a whole week on verses one through four um, so what we're going to do today is we're going to cover verses one through 18 um, and then next week, we're going to do a whole week on the Lord's Prayer, which will be really good. Um, so Jesus is going to be confronting some things in um, first century Judaism, which is like the Jews at this time were in first century Judaism. Um, and the three pillars of like their spiritual disciplines were giving, praying, and fasting. So they would give money to the temple, and then they would pray throughout the day. They had like specific times to pray, and then they would fast. Um, they usually had like some sort of routine, so like once a week, twice a week, three times a week, they would fast. Um, so these are all examples of spiritual disciplines, and we have spiritual disciplines in our life. So a spiritual discipline could be like doing your devotions or praying or like going to coffee and conversations and going to church, all these things that we discipline ourselves to do that are part of our daily lives, our spiritual disciplines, but so easily, so easily those spiritual disciplines can turn into trying to please people, right? Um, so that what a lot of the Jews got wrong is they were doing these things as good as they were, not for the glory of God, but the glory of themselves and to get the, the approval of other people. Um, so Jesus has some, um, he has some warnings to give us. So let's see, we're gonna read verses one through 18. So Elise, could you read 1 through 4? Uh, yep. And then Andre, could you read 5 through 15? Yep. And then um, Bethany, could you read 16 through 18? What chapter? Oh, five, uh, 6. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> chapter 6. <clears throat> you can Michael? start whenever. Okay. Uh, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
Oh, sorry. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Sorry. Very good. Uh, verse 16. Yeah, it's not... I have the King James Version, and it's not very um, easy to understand. Oh, that's okay. Do <laughs> you just want to read mine? Yeah. Thank you. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Um, mm -hmm. So we're going to break this down into three sections, just like <clears throat> Jesus does here. Um, so Jesus is going after their three main pillars, their pillar of giving, their pillar of um, praying, and their pillar of um, fasting. Um, so his first point is to watch your motives when you give. Um, so we learned in the Beatitudes a few weeks ago, and then um, a few weeks ago in one of our lessons, we talked about the importance of making sure that we are freely giving people. So we we give things. We, we don't hesitate to give away our money, our time, our resources, because we know that it's not our own. So we're like, if it's not our own, I'm going to give it away. That's the mark of someone who truly follows Jesus is that they give away their stuff. Um, so what are the things that you guys find hardest to give away to others? Probably my time. Time? Mm -hmm. Yep. Me too. I'm having deja vu. I feel like I might have asked that question before. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um, my time for sure I feel like for me sometimes it's energy yeah like not just mm. like physical energy but like my brain power too mm. cause like That's a good sometimes one. people will like I don't know when I was in high school I felt like people my friends would always just like ask me for things and never like want to with me just to spend time with me like yeah. you know it always felt like they wanted things from me and it mm. was hard to just like be giving all the to time to give it like, away mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a good way to put that your mental it takes a lot of mental power to like sometimes like listen and yeah have compassion and mm -hmm. all those things I think sometimes it depends on where you're at in life on what is most difficult mm. so like when you're a student it's really hard to give away money because you don't have a lot of it. Right. You're using a lot of it to pay for school or pay for your own things or, you know. So it's difficult to even just be giving to the church right. sometimes when you're a student. And then when you're a new mom, it's really hard to give away your time because you have so little of it outside of caring for your children. And when you're mentally exhausted, it's hard to, to give your energy and advice and love and that sort of thing. So I think it, I think all things that we claim as our own mm. are hard to give up. 
yeah. at some point, but it depends on where you're at in life as to what specific thing is difficult at that time. Mm, that's good. Yeah. yeah. And it's so true because I think that's why the Lord gives us different seasons too. Because <laughs> if you were always in the season of having a newborn or a toddler, yeah. then you would never have any like margin. But luckily, you like you will only be in that season until Luke is like, like what age do they go to kindergarten? Five, six. But then, like, I guess, like, homeschool. But so, like, 18 years, you have a kid. And then after that, like, maybe the Lord will bless you with more time that you can give to others. Yeah. I keep telling myself with all kinds of things, I'm like, this is, you'll get your turn. It's Mm -hmm. not amazing. Right now, your purpose is to do the dishes, to whatever. It's not to be doing all these other things. Like, you'll get your turn. It's fine. Right now, this season of life, you are so, you're doing so much giving. It's okay. You'll get your turn mm-hmm. to receive. You just need to wait. Yeah. That's encouraging. That's not really on topic, but that's okay. But that's okay. It's <laughs> good to, like, hear and to know that sometimes we're going to have seasons where we're giving more than we're receiving, and that's okay. Well, and it, people are giving to me also, but it just feels mm. like you're giving a lot, yeah. you know? Yeah. Which makes sense. You're raising a child. And, <laughs> and growing a child. And growing a child <laughs> and taking care of the whole house. So it makes sense. Yeah. But giving is good. Yes, giving is so good. And Jesus assumes that we are giving. So he says, um, well, he doesn't say it here, but you'll see in the, the other two sections. He just kind of assumes that we're doing these things. He's, just, he's assuming that we're givers. He's assuming that we're, we're giving to the church. He's assuming that we're giving our time, whatever it is. Um, so a question for us to ask is, am I a giver? Am I giving my money to the church? Am I giving away my resources to others? Am I giving away my time? Like We talked about this a little bit last week, I think, of what has the Lord blessed me with? Because whatever he's blessed me with is not mine to hold on to. So if the Lord has blessed you with $5, that $5 is not yours. That $5 is actually the Lord's. So what are you going to do with it? Or if the Lord gives you a whole Monday off, that Monday is not yours. You can use some of it for like you know resting and whatnot. But what are you going to do with your free time that the Lord blesses you with? Are you going to use it for yourself or are you going to use it for his glory? Um, so Jesus is assuming that whatever he gives to us, we are going to be using to glorify him and to encourage others. Um, but Jesus tells them to be aware, to beware of their righteousness done before others. Um, because it's so easy to think in our minds, and I struggle with this so much of, oh, I, I want to make sure everyone knows how much I am giving. (laughs) I want to make sure that like, and that's what the Pharisees struggled with here. They, they would go to the synagogues and they would sound their trumpets before they would give something. Like, dur, 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 I'm giving $50 to the church. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone would be like, whoa, that, that guy is so righteous. Like, oh, wow. And they got, they got their reward is what Jesus is saying. He's saying people that are seeking the approval and the praise of others, they will get their reward. Um, they will get people thinking that they are righteous. They will get people thinking that they are a good person. But God in heaven, who sees straight through their trumpet sounding and their um, showing off, sees straight into their hearts and knows that that money actually isn't going to God. It's going to their own glorification. Um, so that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, be aware of what you, the good that you do, because even the good that you think you're doing, you could have the wrong motives behind it. And when the wrong motives are behind it, then your reward is going to be temporary. It's not going to be eternal. Um, so yeah, money doesn't really mean, like it's not like 
money that God doesn't need our money, right? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The Bible says he doesn't need our money and a blink of an eye. He can do anything he wants. Um, but our money reflects where our heart is. So if we are quick to hold back our money, if we're quick to hold back our resources, our time, um, it shows where our idols are, but it also shows that we're not aware of the grace and the forgiveness that we've been given. And so God doesn't need our money. He wants our hearts. He wants our hearts to freely give and to give in a way that we don't want to make a show about it. We just want to give because we're amazed that God has given us so much grace, mercy, and forgiveness that that's the least that we can do is give away some of what we have. Um, so yeah, the people that seek the approval and the praise of others, they'll get their reward, but their reward is very short. There's no eternal value. Um, so Jesus says, beware of your righteous deeds. Um, and so a good way to think about this, and this is something that I have found has helped me, is to um, don't like even pat yourself on the back when you do something good. Not like degrade yourself by any means, um, but do something good and then forget about it. Give and forget about it. Meet with someone with coffee and encourage them and forget about it. You know, don't don't keep a tally in, the, in your mind of all the good that you've done. Don't keep a tally in your mind of all the things that you've done to give to others. Just do it and then move on and forget about it and say, all glory be to God. Lord, help me forget about this, you know, and then just, just do your good and then leave and do the next thing. Um, God sees it all. He knows where your heart's at and you can trust in that um, and that that constant like forgetfulness of the good that you've done um, sometimes can actually really benefit you guys um, benefit me not yeah it has benefited me and I hope that it will also benefit you guys um, so as Andrea said depending on the season of life you're in what you can give is going to be different you're not always going to have the same mental energy in every single season you're not going to have always have the same money in every single season um, but what do you guys think um, is there ever an excuse to not give away our money? No. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard sometimes. It's really hard. But so we, uh, David and his dad, I don't remember how they got on this topic once, but they were talking about giving to the church and all this stuff. And his dad made the comment. And I think I'm, I can make this comment, but it means a lot more coming from someone who is older, who has established mm-hmm. life. And he said that. Whenever in their life, anytime, whether it was student or young married or not young married or whatever, when they were giving financially to Mm -hmm. the church or to a ministry for the Lord or whatever it was, whenever they were giving their money to be used for specifically for the Lord's purposes, they were financially better off. Mm -hmm. Even if they thought, wow, we don't have the budget to give 10%, like this is, we're not going to be able to, it it always worked out. Always worked out. There was some some wonderful thing that the Lord provided that made it work out Mm -hmm. every time. Yeah. And so it's really hard. Mm-hmm. I don't think there should be an excuse. And it's really scary to walk into that and think, well, I only have $1,000 a month to spend. I don't know. It's an easy math number. And if I give up 100 I only have $900. Yeah. And my rent is this and this and this. And that means I only have this for groceries and this for this and this for this and, you know, whatever. Yeah. But then the Lord provides other opportunities. Right. He, you know, he provides... You know, your phone provider says, hey, guess what? We're doing this deal for the next whatever. You're going to get $30 off. And you're like, 30 bucks. This is great. <laughs> right? That yeah. The Lord provides other means of resources for you. Or you learn how to use what you have and you learn something different that mm-hmm. he gives you. Yeah. You learn, a, you learn something different during this. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's not even about the amount no. either. Like it's about. But that we're so focused. on We it. are so focused. We get on so about. stuck on it, and if we can't get past it, then mm-hmm. we're too afraid to give for money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can definitely show like the idol in our hearts. I lived in disobedience so long to like the command to give away your money, like so long. It wasn't until I think like like two years ago I started giving consistently to the church which is, like, something that I regret and I had to, like, really work through. And, like, <laughs> I was just like, what? Because my, my excuse was always, like, I was just a, I was a college student and I didn't have a lot of money. But I was like, yeah. okay, well, it's not my money. Like, go, like, don't go out to eat so much. Don't, like, you know, find a way to give. And I lived in disobedience to that for so long. When? But the Lord has been so faithful in the time that I have been faithful right. to him. found it yeah totally decimated or not decimated that's it was it totally detrimental mm. to give to the lord or yeah. did you learn other things about it and find other ways yeah and there's so much freedom in it too enjoy because mm-hmm. then it's just like ah, money's just money like here you go <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and not like it's always gonna be easy i'm sure that we will walk especially like once we start having kids it'll be a lot harder to live to that standard of our money is not our own when it seems like money is the one that secures us but it's not true god has secures us yeah. i think of giving not just money but everything i like to think of it like brushing your teeth something that you should do frequently you don't really care about brushing your teeth you know you're supposed to you're gonna do it it's gonna happen and then you just kind of forget about it and you do it again and mm. you forget about it and then you do it again yeah kind of like what you said but it's so routine it's mm-hmm. so consistent you know you're gonna be giving yeah so i mean it should just be like breathing like mm. brushing our teeth giving. yeah whether it's not just our money right our time or everything yeah it should be easy yeah for sure and it's really hard to forget about it sometimes I I struggle with that because I'm a tallier where I'm like I have cleaned the apartment and I have done this and done this and done this like why can't someone do something for me you know yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. then as soon as I think of that as soon as I think that way all my joy is gone out the window no joy no happiness and I've become very bitter and so just forgetting about it, like, just brings so much freedom. Yeah. So, like, um, like what was it that, like, made you want to, like, give back to the church again? Like, did you just start doing it in faith or? Mm-hmm. or? Um, I felt really convicted. The Holy Spirit was, like, eating at me, like, get away your money. Hello. Hello. Can I interrupt? Yes. I guess I did. You already did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think a lot of you know Peggy. Peggy. Yeah. Yes, we know Peggy. Peggy has overseen the pitch in on the 22nd. Awesome. Or the okay. pitch in and pitch out, whichever one you Yeah, pitch in and pitch out. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, a lot of the uh, people that normally help her are down in Florida. Oh. So you guys kind of just noodle that. And if you think that you could be of some help on pitch in day in the kitchen, what, what, Count what's me your, in. What are you doing? Okay, so we're, you know, we've got to make the mashed potatoes, we've got to make the gravy, we've got to make the green beans, and then we're probably going to have to heat up the rows and stuff. Then we're going to have to put it all out after church. So Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. I can send out a message today to some of the other girls and get a group together. I just but. think that if we, here's my thought process, and we have a lot of elderly ones that help out in the kitchen, which is great. I mean, yeah. I love them because we're all, and we have a blast <laughs> now. I may be a drill sergeant, but we have a blast. <laughs> but um, get you guys involved and let you guys help, and we're going to teach you what we know, and mm. 
then well, you guys can take over <laughs> when I decide I'm done. <laughs> All right, that sounds great. I'll send out a message. Yeah, that's good. So, yes, yeah. cool. How many do you need? Huh? How many do you need or want? Um, probably, probably at least five cool. oh, would, cool. would help, you know, because then we can keep up on the drinks and we can keep up on, you know, things like that. So. Yeah, cool. All right. Cool. We will get the team together. All righty. We're Appreciate talking it. about it. It, it. it sounds like it's going to be a, a big Sunday. A lot of people yeah. are coming. Some people think it's my funeral, so it's going to be well attended. <laughs> 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 the way that the email was phrased might have sounded like a funeral. Kitchen and celebration of Ken and Kathleen. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like yeah, you passed away. Wait, was it you? Yeah. I didn't see an email. I told him, I said, I just, I always kind of judge, okay, how much you need to get? A lot. Now I have to go more, order more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How does this feel? Thank you. Goodbye. Five girls, easy peasy. We can get that. We can make that happen. Easy. We could even, like, rotate in shifts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tap out, you tap in. Yeah. Love. Enough for... <laughs> Podcast listeners, if you want to help with the meal on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> This is a good way to apply what we're learning to give our time. Yes! Mm, good stuff. Well, I'll know if you're giving hard. If you show up, we're No, we're not manipulating, but go make the mashed potatoes. They, they really want to teach the young women how to cook in the kitchen. They really want to teach me how to cook in the kitchen. And I'm like, no. <laughs> but think of but, so this, is, this is another thing that you could be giving, right? Yes. You're not giving money, you're not giving a lot of time, you're not giving resources, but you're giving someone else the opportunity, opportunity. to bless you mm. yes. or to teach you. Yeah. And so again, I mean, great job, Dad. Right in there. <laughs> giving does not just look like take from this mm-hmm. and I give to you, right? Mm. It doesn't always. It's not always that. Right. It's a lot more complicated sometimes. It's a lot sometimes. more complicated sometimes. Yeah, that's true. That's and about it. we shouldn't think of, like, going to serve and give our time to help in these ways as, like, well, I'm giving them the opportunity to do this for me. But, like, <laughs> because that's ridiculous. And that's just, like, high maintenance and, you know, thinking of yourself as way too high. But, I mean, think about the times you've invited people to do that with you and how much of a blessing it's been for you to be able to give to them. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, for sure. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. A practical application. Practical application. Right in front of us. Um, so, yes, that is Jesus' first point to watch your motives when you give, no matter how you're giving. Um, and it was just perfect that they walked in there and here at, the time, at the right time. Um, and then the second uh, warning that he has is to watch your motives when you pray. Um, so, we're not going to dive into this to the Lord's Prayer, but that will be next week. So make sure you come back. It's going to be awesome. We're going to walk through it verse by verse. But um, he says to watch your motives when you pray. Um, do you guys find it easier or harder to pray in front of people? So like when we pray together as a group, is that easier for you or is it harder? Harder. 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 <laughs> harder. I do think whenever I do like pray by myself, that's usually when I just start spewing out like random stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, God still hears it all. But um, I think sometimes, like, I find myself, like, being, like, a hypocrite and trying to, like, make my prayers sound good and, like, matching them up with everyone else's prayer. Um, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah. I, I don't have, they're, they're not, they're indifferent. 
and different because I pray with a group like I pray by myself I make mistakes and I say oop that's not it I meant this or I yeah. forget I, I on Tuesday night when we were praying I said I forget which family member it is mm-hmm. and I don't remember his name but there's a family member who's going through this on this friend and here's what I need to pray for and yeah. I forgot everything and I said it all out loud and mm-hmm. you know I I don't know yeah it's not different to mm-hmm. me it's all, it's all praying to the Lord I shouldn't classify it yeah and if your prayer is more eloquent than mine hmm. who cares no one cares no not, one cares God doesn't care. i'm always worried because i babble a lot when i pray hmm. and then i realize oh my gosh i've been talking for so long <laughs> <laughs> all these people probably get nuts and then i read verses like this i'm like oh man it's yeah true. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah verses like don't babble yeah, when you pray people are babbling like pagans and i'm like oh be heard because of their yeah. many words yes and i'm like do I talk to hear myself or do I talk because these are the things that I pray? Like, hmm. Questions your, questioning your motives. That's good. It's I don't think I'm trying to fill empty space. Yeah. But I always worry that like, I Like, laying all of your thoughts out, like just speaking all of them. Yeah. And these people were probably like, oh, look at me. I'm saying all this smart stuff. Yes. Like, yeah. I worry that I've convinced myself well, I, it's true. I worry, I worry that I've convinced myself that, no, like, I'm praying all these things. It's a good thing. I'm asking for all these things. I'm covering all the bases. Like, I'm worried that I've somehow convinced myself that it's good. It's fine when I'm really doing this that I'm not supposed to. Hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I figure one of you would have called me out on it by now. <laughs> yeah. No, I've never thought of your prayer and been like, hmm, I need to confront Andrea about that. Never, ever. Um, but a common thing that would happen in their day is like the Pharisees or the scribes would go out into the temple um, and they would pray very, very loudly. And it's not even like they were praying loudly about like how awesome God was or they were praying loudly for someone else. They would go into the middle of the synagogue and pray about themselves. So in Luke 18, 9 through 15, 15. You guys can look at this later, but um, they would literally go into the middle of synagogue and be like, Lord, thank you for making me so righteous and so holy. And, <laughs> and thank you for making me not like this other sinner over there. Um, like they would literally go out and do that. They would pray and it wouldn't even be for God's glory. It'd be for their own glory. Um, so their prayers were not about God. They were about themselves. They were praying for themselves, about themselves, and to impress the people around them. So instead, God instructs his followers that they should have a private prayer life. Um, that instead of the Pharisee going into the middle of the temple, it would have been so much better if he went into his home, he closed the blinds, and he got on his knees and prayed to a God who was listening and cared for him rather than seeking the approval and praise of others. Um, so do you guys think that it is wrong to pray in a group then? No. Nope. Yeah, it's not wrong at all. The Bible commands it. In James 4, 4 14 through 15, it basically gives us it says, like, anytime someone's discouraged, pray for them. If they're struggling with something, pray for them. If they're sinning, pray for them. Um, it's, it's a command to pray together all the time. And then Matthew 18, 19 through 20, um, it got, Jesus says that if there are two or three gathered in my name, I am there with them. Um, so, like, when we pray together, like, it's cool because there's many believers gathered in one spot. And Jesus says, in that area, I am, like, there. Like, he's always there. But, like, somehow when two or three or more believers are gathered, Jesus is somehow, like, present, like, extra present, almost. I don't know how that works, but it's encouraging to think about. Um, so praying together is awesome, but it it becomes not awesome when someone is only praying for their own glory and not the glory of God. Um, so a good question to ask yourselves and to question, I have to ask myself this all the time, because 
I pray a lot in front of people, um, like in the Bible studies and stuff. Like, like we pray together, and we, um, and like when I do a discipleship, I'll pray over that person. And so sometimes I catch myself in my head. I'm like, pr- I'm praying out loud, and then I'm like, wait a second, I'm not even praying to God right now. I'm just praying to just like check a box or to make this person feel better, you know? And so like I have to ask myself this all the time, and you have to ask yourself, do I pray more in groups? Do I pray more, like, when you're at a Bible study and you're praying? Is that the first time you prayed that day? Because if it is the first time you prayed that day, red flag. <laughs> um, or, like, do you pray more in groups than you do in private? Um, or when you're in a group praying, are you too fearful to pray because of what people around you are thinking? Um, or, like, when you do pray in groups and you choose to pray in groups, um, do you focus more on what the people around you are thinking? And I have to ask myself this all the time. And I fail very often. Um, but prayer is supposed to be this intimate connection that we have with the Lord that is so wonderful. And it's just between us and Him. So, like, think about, like, going out to coffee with, like, your best friend. And you're just sitting there talking and you get lost in the time, you know? That's how prayer is. Like, it's with our amazing Heavenly Father who cares for us so much and wants to know us and wants us to know Him. And it's just amazing connection that we don't even deserve. Like, we don't deserve to go to God in prayer. Um, so he wants us to think about it that way and to focus on our words and to really be intentional in the way we talk to him. Um, it's between us and him, not us and everyone else, um, which is really cool. Um, so why is it so hard, at least I find it hard, to discipline myself to pray? Do you guys find it hard to discipline yourself to pray? Yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. thank God. <laughs> One person. <laughs> I, I find it hard. Yeah. So, I find it hard to pray, so I pray to God to help me pray. Yeah. <laughs> that it's all for his glory and everything that he's given me like is only from him and not from my own yeah. self so pray to god to help me pray yes what i do <laughs> i do that all the time yeah i mean i feel like most of my prayers are help me do this yeah help me pray help, help me, me with my spiritual life my yeah spiritual life yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it i i'm yeah i'm I, i've found it very hard to make a discipline out of prayer it is a discipline it's like a muscle mm-hmm. um how have you guys seen prayer impact your walk with the Lord? It's helped me realize that it's a relationship, mm-hmm. not just like an assignment. Yeah, you know, like a. It, it's not just. That's a good one, Lightner. Prayer is a relationship, not an assignment. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. <laughs> so like, I'm not just like supposed to be reading the Bible, and like I'm not just supposed to be underlining things that I think are cool. Like I realized that these are his words Mm -hmm. and I can hear him talking to me and I can talk back to him which is so cool like I have this relationship with him and I'm able to just close my eyes and be like hey and he's right there yeah it's like it's a relationship yeah so cool that's awesome it's it's such a good way to think about it too yeah how else have you guys seen prayer impact uh well I've been praying for David and his family and you guys since I was since I can remember, mm-hmm. and so, like, if you, you know, you all know the story, so, like, I mean, out of that relentless prayer, even though it was, like, a middle school, like, oh my goodness, I just really like this guy, and I'm gonna pray for his family, and I used to, but I used to pray, like, don't let his siblings or his cousins get hurt in sports, and don't, mm-hmm. like, like, I hope that they're all doing well, and that they're all joyful and happy, like, I would pray all of these things, even for you guys, because you were his family still, mm-hmm. Like, I'm part of that family now. This family that I've been praying for for 
20 years is my family. Yeah. Like, I got That's a husband so cool. out of that prayer. I have, you know, I can see the fruit of all those, even meaningless middle schooler prayers, right? How many of you guys got seriously injured in a sport? Hmm. Not many of you. And I'm not saying that's all due to me, right? <laughs> because I'm sure that your parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and everyone in your life have been praying that also. But, like, the more that you pray and the more that you really, really trust what the Lord's praying and you lean into that relationship like Bethany's saying, the more you see that he's listening mm-hmm. and that he's do, not, not doing the things you ask for because you ask for them, but he's showing you his faithfulness and how much he's listening to you and he hears what you're asking for and, mm-hmm. and all those things. And it's like, wow, like he cares. He's yeah, listening. He's like, this listening. Is really cool. Even something as trivial as, I really like this guy. Can he be my boyfriend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that's how you should go about dating and marriage and all that, but like, you want something as trivial as that the Lord is listening. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's always listening. Yeah. Always. Always. And it may take 20 years for it mm-hmm. to even come to anything or for you to even see what he's been doing for that long. But mm-hmm. it's so refreshing just to look at what the Lord has been doing and to look back at your prayer journals. This is why I, I journal my prayers because you can look back at them and see what you've been praying for. And years later, you can see that he's answered all of them in mm-hmm. one way or another. And it's just amazing yeah it's so good I love journaling for that reason too and like taking because it's like it's sometimes hard to write out all your prayers like you know it just makes your hand grab up and you're like ah yeah. it's so much easier to sometimes just like think them but it is so cool to have them on paper but how wonderful will it be when you're 80 and your hand barely works and it's because mm. you have 300 prayer journals <laughs> yeah. on your shelves that'll be epic you know like, <laughs> like what a what a, what a way to give yeah. our bodies like what a way to use the muscles the lord has given us and the time the lord has given us in the evening to write out all your prayers mm. like yeah yeah that's so good yeah i wonder how many journals we will have when we're 80 i already have like six yeah and not like there are some that I don't even use, I forget about, and then I'll go back and start using them again, mm-hmm. and then I stop using this one, so then I go back and I use this one, yeah. so like, yeah, yeah, so I have so many, so many journals, <coughs> so many different times, yeah, like. that's so cool, that's so cool, yeah, I, I fly through my journals, because I, I do all my notes and my prayers and my journaling in there, and they fill up very quickly, and, but they're so cool to look through, they're like one of my greatest, like, blessed, like, one of the, like I feel like it is a gift from the Lord to me, the fact that He's put it on my heart to journal so much is like just like such an evidence and encouragement in my faith, because I get easily discouraged. So I need I need reminders <laughs> all the time. Um, so Jesus says that He wants us to be intentional when we pray and not just use empty phrases like the pagans. And you're like, whoa, what does that mean? Um, so what do you guys think that an empty phrase prayer would look like? Any cliche phrase mm-hmm. any of them all yeah. of them yeah if you say them without the right heart without the right heart yep you know like a lot of times we hear lord come alongside them or come alongside me are you saying that mm-hmm. or are you really genuinely truly asking lord riley is going through this really hard thing she needs you and only you to be guiding her mm-hmm. and holding her hand and walking with her and luke through whatever you know fake made up thing i'm praying about right now you know <laughs> Are you really, really asking for that? Or are you just saying, well, well, I heard Riley say this in a prayer once. So I'm sure it's good. And I'll just mm-hmm. say it too. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. If your words are not 
like backed up by your heart, then they're empty. I think anything that you say can be what it's talking about here if it's mm-hmm. not backed up by your heart. Yeah, yeah. I just picture like the Tin Man. You know, he's like hollow on the inside. Yeah, it's kind of like what it would be like. But and you can so easily hide it from other people. You can impress people with what you say, but God will be like, um, that's hollow and empty. Sorry, try again. <laughs> you know, it is all about our hearts. Um, so when you pray, you're praying to the God of the universe who loves you. And like Bethany said so wonderfully, she said like it's like this relationship that um, it makes everything so much, it makes it so much easier to pray when you think about it like that. Um, so when we pray, like we mean it with our heart behind it, like we're talking to a friend, um, it changes everything. And um, Jesus gives us a model of what prayer should look like. Um, Not like if we say this prayer. We could easily say this prayer that he gives us and it to be empty if we don't mean the words that we say. Um, But he does give us this model of a prayer of what our prayer should look like. Um, And if we mean it with our hearts, that prayer can transform our lives. And we'll talk about that more next week. Um, So cliffhanger come back next week (laughs) Um, so yeah that's the second thing that jesus warns is watch your motives when you pray and the third thing he warns is watch your motives when you fast so fasting is a spiritual discipline that has kind of been lost um in our generation i believe um it's kind of like praying or giving jesus assumes that we do it he says when you fast so it's like he just assumes that his followers are going to be fasting he assumes it's a part of their life um, so what, what is fasting? How would you guys describe it? Giving up something mm. to put your focus on him. Yeah. Whether it be, for us, it's usually social media, but mm. um, food or like something on your phone, something that you do a lot that's not mm. needed. Yeah. Something that you can, um, like we need food to survive, obviously, but we're trusting that God will provide the energy that we need that we're not getting from mm. yeah we, we trust that god will provide the entertainment with reading mm-hmm. his word or praying to him or hanging mm-hmm. out with our godly friends that we aren't getting from social media mm. yeah it's like taking away something that's part of your everyday life mm-hmm. to focus your attention on him and to get your <coughs> Yeah, why do you guys think that, um, at least I've noticed that, I mean, and it's not like if you do fast from something, it's not like everyone knows, but I've just noticed that not a lot of people I know, I I don't think fast. I have a few friends that I know they have a routine of fasting, um, but why do you think we shy away from fasting? I feel like it's more of a thing to put God into your routine nowadays Mm -hmm. rather than change your routine for him. Mm. Yeah. So, like, people are like, oh, I'm going to wake up, make breakfast, eat, and then do my quiet time. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to do my quiet time, get ready for bed, do this, uh, then wind down on social media, something like that. Yeah. Instead of saying, like, no, I'm going to completely take this out. And I'm yeah. not going to have that in my schedule anymore and just put God there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people kind of, like, fit him into this schedule instead of making him the schedule. That's good. Yeah. And it's a lot more uncomfortable when God is the schedule yeah. than if our schedule is there and he's just added into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We've also made a culture of just that everything is accessible at all mm-hmm. times. And so I can get my phone at all times. Mm-hmm. I can go anywhere and get food at all times. I can, you know, anything that you could want to fast from, like Bethany said, anything. Mm-hmm. I can get at any time. Yeah. In any place. 
uh, anytime. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, really hard to say, no, I'm not going to do that because it's so easily accessible. Mm -hmm. The temptation is right there to just be like, well, you know, I'll just be just, just this one night. Yeah. Like I, you know, I worked really hard today. I'll go do what, like it, everything is accessible Mm -hmm. and we've, as a culture, made it a point to keep it that way. Right. Because it's convenient. Yeah, it's convenient. And we like convenience, and we like comfort. Yeah. And fasting, no matter what you fast from, is uncomfortable. It's yep. a deviation from your normal. Yeah. We don't like it. For sure. Yeah. We we struggle to fast sometimes, I believe, because it is uncomfortable, and it's hard. Um, and so, like, it just pushes our limits. And it's a lot easier to not fast from food than it is to just eat your normal day um so the fasting that jesus is talking about here is fasting with food and like bethany said there's a lot of different types of fasting and usually like when someone fasts nowadays it's like uh fast from social media or um fast from like sugar or something like that you know um but the fasting here that jesus is talking about is fasting from food and so again what the pharisees would do is they would go on their big fast fasting things and then they would look absolutely miserable (coughs) and everyone would be like it's kind of like you know like you know when like someone's having a bad day and everyone knows they're having a bad day and it's like what's wrong and they're like ah, ah i'm just having an awful miserable day they really really milk it yeah they really milk it and so like they're in like the synagogue or out and about in the town and like everyone's like all right that pharisee over there is obviously fasting because he looks like he's about to pass out um and so in that moment that the pharisee chooses to do that he's no longer fasting for the glory of god he's fasting for the approval of man for his own glory um, so God tells them to, and when you fast, basically put makeup on and wash your face and go about your day like you normally do. And don't tell anyone that you're fasting because it's between you and the Lord. Um, so that, that could be part of the reason why we don't see a lot of people fasting is because people just keep it to themselves. Uh, they, don't, they don't tell everybody. Um, they don't fast for their own glory and praise. But um, the moment that we do, um, it, it's the Lord sees straight through it. He knows what we're doing. Um, so the reason that we fast... Um, is like, for example, when you choose to fast from food, um, every time you feel a pang of hunger, um, it, it reminds you to pray. Um, it reminds you to go to the Lord and to pray to him and to have this connection with him because you can feel your need for something. And what you can do is you can pray and you can say, Lord, more than I want food, I want you. Or more than I want food, I want you to help this person. More than I want food, more than, more, more than I want this snack, more than I want this amazing cupcake that is in front of me that I just can't eat. I want you to do this in my life. It's this way to, sh- to pray fervently and to have this intimate connection with the Lord and to show him, in a way, how serious you are. Um, not like you're trying to manipulate the situation, but because you're so desperate for him, for his presence, for him to move in your life, that you're willing to give up something that is very precious to you in order to make a point. Um, but fasting, you can easily, like, obviously, like, you can go and eat the next day or you can eat dinner that night. Um, but it's just like this temporary time that something is gone from your life. Um, and when, um, and I hesitate to say this because I know this is all about not telling people when you fast, but truly when I started imp- implementing fasting into my life, it changed my prayer life and it changed my life. Um, and so it's hard and I don't 
do it all the time, but when I have done it, I've noticed a huge difference in my walk with the Lord. And it's been so good, and he is so faithful. And he commands us to fast for a reason, and it's supposed to be hard, but it's good. And it's like, it changes your life. Um, so you can choose to fast from a TV show, or from social media, or from a certain drink, or from like buying Starbucks, or something like that. And every time you feel tempted to do it, every time you feel tempted to run back to that thing, even though it might not be a sin, um, you can think, oh, but the Lord's goodness, oh, the Lord's faithfulness, oh, I need to pray for this person. It's this reminder. Um, but just don't show off when you do it. Um, yeah, any thoughts on fasting? How have you have you guys ever like experienced fasting or seen how it's impacted your life? I think it's not only like helped me get closer to God, but it's also taught like my soul that God truly is better hmm. than what I was fasting. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like what it was saying here about how like um, the father who is like unseen will like see what you've done and will reward you. Hmm. I think that reward is just him showing us like, hey, I I am better. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I meant what I said when I said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Like I wasn't lying to you. Yeah. And I think um, when we like are kind of guided into like fasting, he like shows us like a better like way of life, which mm-hmm. is just with him. Yeah. And like based on his strength. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So I've never really like done fasting. I've never really gotten into it, but I know my parents used to do mm-hmm. like fasting like a few times every year, and I noticed that every time that they would fast, it would create their relationships with us to be better too. Mm-hmm. Like they would have more time to spend with us. They would be more focused on God so it would help them to give more wisdom to us and mm-hmm. like be closer with the family and it, I just remember as a child being so much closer to them when they were fasting mm. that's so cool that's so interesting mm-hmm. I would feel like I'd be hangry I wouldn't want to be around anyone <laughs> 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 but Again, that's so cool <laughs> yeah you don't have to fast with food I had a I had a friend once and I was visiting and I stayed with I guess I wasn't visiting it was during when COVID happened and so I moved in with her and her husband for just like a week because I was still working a job and didn't want to move back home yet um, and they were fasting during that week and they fasted every other day because they were in like this stage of transition where like they needed to come to a decision decision on something and so her husband led them and basically like said like all right every other day we're gonna fast and we're gonna pray that the lord's will would be done in this and i only knew that because i was living with them but they would go about their day they both worked full-time jobs they both um served at their church and the only reason i knew is because we didn't have dinner every other night (laughs) Um, but i looked up to that so much and i was like that's when i realized i was like i i don't fast i don't give up anything for the lord um and i should i need to make a discipline out of that um and they obviously are some of the most godly people i know and so I'm like, I want to be like that. I want to be that close with the Lord. Um, so yeah. Um, so you might be wondering, um, like, Riley, I so badly wish I didn't care what people thought about me. But it's just there. And it's always been there. And I feel like it's always going to. Um, and I get it because, I mean, I get, like, nervous every single Saturday morning before I teach. And I wonder, what are they thinking about me? And when I'm when I have to give an announcement for the church, I'm, like, terrified, and, like, I'm not the perfect person to come and tell you, like, how to not care what people think about you, because I think about it too often, Um, but one thing that I think the Lord has put on my heart recently is that um, 
In order for your preoccupation with others to shrink, your preoccupation with God must grow. Um, so you must think about him. You must study his word. You must memorize his word and pray and talk to him and, and think about who he is and like go on a walk and look at all the things that he created and think on his love. And when your preoccupation with God grows, your preoccupation with what people think of you shrinks. Um, all of a sudden you don't care. Um, and But this, it, it flows, it goes up and down for me. Sometimes I, I find myself living in the freedom of, of fear of man and then other days I feel like I'm crippled by the fear of man. Um, but in the days that I feel crippled by the fear of man, I notice myself trying to think even more about who God is. Um, any other thoughts? What are some things that maybe like you guys have seen in your life of what's helped you grow away from um, what people think of you? I completely and totally cut out social media mm. last summer. That's and good. it has been the most wonderful thing. Mm. And I kept social media because I really, really liked just there are really good nuggets in social media. There are wonderful things there, right? A lot of people, that's how they share. They're having a baby. They're engaged. We got married. This new life change. Can you pray for us? Um, this great opportunity the Lord is good. Like, there are good, wholesome, wonderful, joyful things shared on social media. But I found that as much good as I would see, mm-hmm. the bad was just magnified. Because on social media, you can't tell if they're talking to you, if a passive statement is about you, if it's about, you know, Mm. and so you take everything to heart Mm. and you believe all of it. And there's a, there's a post, um, and it said something about, um, and this was the last straw for me because I had been considering it for a while, but the last straw was a post that said something about, um, you, if you're just doing these things as a mom, you know, X, Y, Z. And there are the things that I'm like, these are the things that I need to be doing as a mom. Like, this is all that is important. Anything else is great, but this is what's important. And the post said something about, if you're, ju- if you're doing these things as a mom, you're not doing enough. You need to be a hot mom. You need to be a cool mom. You need to be a diverse mom. You need to be a, you know, a whatever. All these things that moms need to be and moms need to do. Mm-hmm. And I just felt crippled. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, I've been sitting here looking up to women in my life and listening to what they've done with their kids and looking at grown kids and seeing what their parents did and how can I apply those things and where did they get that from the Bible and basing the things that I want to do in my life as a mom on all of these things that I think are wholesome and good and I've come up with these few things that are just so important to me and now I'm being told that it's not enough. Hmm. It's not good enough that it's not okay enough. And I've been living in this wonderful joy that the Lord has given me these few things, and and it totally wrecked the joy that I had in what I had chosen to make a priority as a mom. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that I chose perfectly and everything I'm doing is perfect and I'm the greatest mom ever because I'm sure you guys have already watched that I have failed at some things (laughs) or I've talked about failures and some things. I look up to you much more. But I, I, I had cut it out because social media made me see myself as less than what God sees me as. Hmm. And I'm not saying that to put myself on a pedestal, but God sees me as not only good and and wonderful, but he sees me as with potential and with the opportunity to grow and with, you know, he gives me more grace and mercy than I deserve. And I totally forgot about all these wonderful things that the Lord has 
given me mm-hmm. when I read these things on social media. Yeah. And I think as good as social media is, it it was ruining what I thought of myself and what I knew that God thought of me. Mm-hmm. And so I had to get rid of it. Yeah. And so it make it makes me question even harder sometimes what the relationships I have in real life are like do they think one thing about me and they're going to go say another but I'm so much more rooted in the Lord because I'm not reading what everyone else thinks about me right and I just don't see it Hmm. and often someone who's going to say something petty and mean and not kind about me isn't going to say it to my face so if it's not true they're not going to say it to my face and if I'm doing something that's not good, you're going to say it to my face and you're going to tell me, Andrea, look, you need to have a conversation. Here's what you need to fix. So I'm not going to miss the constructive criticism and the advice and the help, but I'm going to completely not even see the petty things that mm. shouldn't get under my skin, the petty things that shouldn't matter to me anyways. Mm. Like I'm not even going to see them. Yeah. So that barrier of making sure that I'm thinking what the Lord thinks of me and looking to what the Lord has given to me is completely removed because yeah. I don't see it. Yeah, that's good. It just flushes out of your brain. It's just gone. Yeah. 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 And it's harder because then it shifts to the people in your life. But like what something you said earlier, building godly people into your life, I've surrounded myself with godly people. Mm-hmm. And so I know... Even Elise, as quiet and soft-spoken as she is, if she saw something in my life that was not good, that was not kind, that was not loving, she would say something. Yeah. Or she would pray on it for three months and then <laughs> ask someone else to say something. Or, you know, Fast like, for a day. She <laughs> would, but she would do it. And so I think that removing social media and putting the right people in your core area of life completely changes your view on what you think people think of you. And it doesn't go away. Yeah, because we're humans and we're women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like the, there's a lot of pressure on social media too, like you said. And so just getting that out clears the air, and it's like, okay, Lord, what? How do you want me to change? Not, yeah, let me conform into what I see on social media. That's good. Yeah. Um, that was a really long answer. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. No, it's okay. It was good. <laughs> it was good. Um, so I have a challenge for us this week, um, and it's gonna be challenging. And I know sometimes when we give challenges and it's like a weekly challenge, it's like, okay, we leave and no one does it. But I really, I really encourage you to do this, like really do it. And um, I'm not going to have you guys share like what you choose to do by any means, because that's what our whole thing about today was just keeping it between you and the Lord. Um, So keep it between you and the Lord. And even like throughout this week, like journal about it and pray about it and think on it. Um, But yeah, this is my challenge. So it has three parts, just like today's lesson, three parts. Um, I want you to give something away. Um, and then I want you to commit to pray for something or someone, and I want you to fast from one thing this week. So, um, choose something to give, choose something to pray for, choose something to fast from. Um, so yeah, go ahead and take a moment and, um, write it down if you're able to. I have a pen. Oh. Um, yeah. What will you give away? What will you pray for? And what will you fast from? Um. And that is my challenge.